Scott here from Social Energy Presents, and welcome to this podcast short from our signature show, Your Backstage Pass, featuring a special vignette from another great episode. So what year did you and Steve Markham come together? John, I'm really bad with years. So, so our agency represented Colin James. Right. And uh, so I got to know Steve. And this is probably, my God, it was probably, well, it's over 20 years ago. And Steve, Steve was, uh, was uh, you know, one of those managers focused on one artist only. And, you know, and that's, that, that's a good thing. And, did and it, what did happened? He come, is, did he come out of the Bumstead uh, fold? He did. He was with he was with Larry Wanigas and I, and something happened there where they you know they split up and, and uh, I guess Steve wound up with Colin and Larry wound up with uh, Katie Lang right. and Steve got to know the chieftains in Ireland pretty good and they wanted to make a change in management and but they wanted more of a structure so Steve was like an independent guy kind of working out of the, the house at that point and he thought that if he teamed up with me we'd be able to sign him so we did and uh and my thinking at the time was, because I'd be really, you know, busting it, trying to trying to break Trooper into America. And it was a really, really a difficult thing to do was to take a Canadian act who was successful and break him in America really, really hard. So along came Steve with the Chieftains. And I knew that they were, they were an artist that could sell out theaters in America. And I knew that that was a way into America. And I knew that there was a way to collaborate with them to expand the, the possibilities for some, some of our clients. So we teamed up on the Chieftains and then uh, really the rest went from there because that, that enabled uh, Joni Mitchell. And of course, then the credibility of Joni Mitchell enabled Diana Krall and, you know, Nora Jones and, you know, on and on from, from so there. Did the artists start coming to you guys? Is that what it was? Combin- a, bit, a bit of a combination, you know, some come to you, some don't. I mean, a lot, I mean, it's interesting, but a lot of times we would just have a, a, a friendship, you, you know, for example, with Joni, Steve was friends with her boyfriend, Don Fried, and we got to know Joni. So there was this on, ongoing social thing that happened for five or six months. And then we met and spent time with her. <coughs> and, and next thing she throws it out, hey, maybe you guys can look after me as opposed to us just kind of, you know, pursuing her. Um, same thing with James Taylor. I mean, I met James socially uh, with Joni a number of times before, I got brought on originally as a tour consultant and then I made a record deal for him and made every other deal for him. And, uh, you know, one thing led to the next, uh, I have to thank my partner and that Mike Gorfain from Gorfain Schwartz in America, who was, who was consulting for him on, on just, just generally cause he didn't have a manager. So they brought me in as a tour consultant cause I knew that stuff pretty good. And then the relationship just grows and, and it's really, as you know, as an artist, it's, a, it's as much about trust as anything. Mm-hmm. So when there's a, when they, you know, they get comfortable with you, they're, they, you know, they, they're, they're okay. They feel better about handing it over to them as opposed to just, here's a straight business deal. Let's just meet over the desk and it's straight business. Yeah. And it's yeah. a pretty intense relationship. Yeah. You know, there's gotta be trust. Right. Um, no, there's an artist, eh? James Taylor. Good Lord. Well, all of them. I mean, really, I mean, all the people in, in, that you've handled from Joni to Diana Krall, James Taylor, Nora Jones, but James Taylor to me, he's, as, as big as he is, I still think he should be bigger. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, he's just one of those guys. Yeah. For one thing, nobody plays acoustic guitar and gets acoustic guitar sounds like that guy. It's yeah, unbelievable, yeah. his touch, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People people underestimate, you know, because you're a guitar player, so you understand it, but the people that don't play the guitar don't understand how complicated 
the things that he does uh, are, I mean, he is a, just an amazing, he's an amazing artist and an amazing person. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I was, I was listening to a, uh, to a, a, a show a while back about his beginnings and stuff. And he was, was it, was it the auto, was it his show on the audible thing that he did? No, no, no. It was actually oh, something you, you, totally different. It was actually an interview with somebody totally different talking about James Taylor's early days. Okay. So you really need to get the audible book break shot, which is James talking about his life up to age 21. It's just unbelievable. It's yeah. so well done. He's uh, so articulate and uh, so incisive, uh, intelligent, just really, really something. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's so amazing. Those those days of the singer-songwriter, they were a magical time. There was a Carly Simon hymn, uh, of course, Carol King, the queen of them all. And uh, all that stuff was happening. And that Elton John sort of rode that wave in as well. That was yeah. all part of that same thing that was going on. It was like, it was a much more intimate way of presenting music. Well, I think the, the so that era of musician, uh, you know, the... Uh, Laurel Canyon days really just just came after an era when it was really singers, you know, singers and songwriters were two different things. You had the whole Brill building thing where that's where the term A&R guy, artist and repertoire, that was the guy that put artists and, you know, music together. Right. And then all of a sudden you had this, this wave of people starting with folk singers moving into, into, into you know, Laurel Canyon starting to write about their own experiences as opposed to, you know, I went to the dance or, you know, you're my girl and that kind of stuff. And, and then of course the biggest segment of the population, the baby boomers were looking for a change caught on. Then you had the little drug things come in and all that alchemy of all that, you know, exploded that music. If you think about it, what came out of there is oh, yeah. phenomenal. So it's, it's uh, and we've been very, really, really lucky to, uh, to represent some of those people that were just, uh, you know, the forerunners of the, of the entire generation. Hey, thanks for joining us. Check out our many other podcasts featuring vignettes and full episodes from a growing list of recording artists and other music insiders. And please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so we can bring you more great content from this and many other shows we're now producing. Available both on podcast and video on demand. <laughs>